Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club. And they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Celebrating in the streets in Lubbock. Wow. Because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast powered by Guns Up Nation. You are on once again with your boy, I'll be sure. And uh, what a great weekend it was to be a Red Raider fan. So many great things happened. So because of that, I had to bring on my right-hand man, Dylan Smythe. What is up, Dill? Man, uh, talk about the perfect sports weekend. Uh, Oklahoma loses. Texas loses. Texas loses in basketball. The Cowboys win. And, of course, Texas Tech wins. Beats Iowa State on a 62-yard field goal. I mean, it doesn't get better for me in terms of sports weekends. Also, Texas A&M lost, and yep. the Houston Texans didn't play, which I feel like is a win for me also, right? Like, I didn't lose in the NFL, so that's fantastic. Um, usually, we would have Jeremy Gillen here as well with us, but he's off in a probably I'm, – I'm sure he's doing, like, a Quidditch tournament or, like, pickleball, uh, uh, pickleball battle royale, you know, uh, maybe low-level wrestling – Right, he's doing something of that sort going on. I think on. I saw him putting together a luchador mask last week. So, That's right. You know. That's right. So uh, if you see a random white man roaming the streets of Lubbock in a luchador mask, that's Jeremy Gillen. Uh, holding a pickleball paddle. <laughs> holding a holding. That's right. That's right. They called him, uh, uh, I don't even know, Pickle Lubre. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Pickleador. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, so like... Dylan alluded to Texas Tech with the most exciting game we've seen this year, right? Like this was, this had everything, right? Like Houston was a pretty fun game. Uh, West Virginia was kind of, was a fairly, you know, fairly fun game, but even though it kind of, kind of got dull at some points, um, Kansas State was fun if you're a Wildcats fan, <laughs> but this was a, from top to bottom, a fun, like legitimately fun game uh, from the very beginning. And it started off, with Donovan Smith, right? All week, we weren't sure if Tyler Shuck or Donovan Smith would be the starting quarterback. In the preview pod, I think we all thought that it would actually be Tyler Shuck, that he was going to be back. He looked like he looked 
decent in some of the videos we'd seen. Looked like he'd been actually practicing all week. And then we find out uh, about an hour before the game that Donovan Smith actually hadn't, it was never really announced, Dylan. It was Donovan, it was, it was a reported that Donovan Smith was taking handoff or taking snaps from Dawson Deaton. So he probably will start. And then we saw him trot out for the first series and we're like, okay, it must be him. And from the very beginning, looked great. What did you think about Donovan Smith in this game? Well, first off, uh, expert level move by Sonny Cumbie by saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if Tyler Shuck's healthy, he's going to go. Uh, he fooled you. He fooled me. And I think he fooled Matt Campbell. Um, yeah, Donovan Smith, um, pleasantly surprised. I, You know, I... I think for me, I've always wanted to see him start, but it always felt like, you know, Oklahoma wasn't time to do it. Iowa State might not be the time to do it. And if you didn't do it then, then Oklahoma State probably wasn't the time to do it. So to see them have the trust in him and, and to see him let it fly, you know, to, to see him in a passing uh, situation, you know, not just like a, a running quarterback, but to see him let it fly and trust in those receivers and those receivers trust in him, I mean... Uh, no question, Donovan Smith is the future. If, if he's gonna stay, if he's gonna stick in Lubbock, he's kind of the guy. Oh, he was to me. He was incredible. Some of the the the, the darts he was making. That one pass he jetted out to Miles Price in the fourth and six. Oh my goodness, was that great? An absolute. Actually, I want to talk about that play in general. First, fourth and six, great play call from Sonny Cumbie. Absolutely great pass from Donovan Smith, and then great catch from Miles Price. The perfect play. It was, but, but plays like that were done all throughout the game. Also, we saw escapability, escapability that went into a really impressive pass. We have not seen those two things, right? We saw escapability from a certain quarterback uh, in Jet Duffy, where but he would just run around like a chicken with his head cut off. And then we've seen decent passes from guys like Shuck and even with Columbia, but we haven't seen both. And this was the first time we've seen both since a certain player who plays for the Chiefs now. Uh, and it was just fun to see, fun to watch. I'm not trying to compare the two, but it looked great to see a guy of that talent and that capability come out there, Donovan Smith. And, and there was that play where uh, he got, you know, he, he he got hit early in the backfield. And I think he broke like three tackles, rolled it out to the left and found, found a way to complete a pass. Um, yeah, Donovan Smith was super impressive to me. I mean... He blew all expectations anybody had for him out of the water. I mean, to do that against a top 10, top 15 defense in the nation is pretty incredible in your first career start. Absolutely. You know what was most impressive? He played so good that I have not seen Baron Morton's name come out once. That's, that's what tech fans was getting really they were really starting to annoy me a little bit about always bring his name up bear morton's an 18 year old kid he's very new our quarterbacks with the least of our problems on this team um but last night after donovan smith performance i have not heard his name once and that's good let him let, let him progress through but i agree with you that donovan smith if, the, if this game is any indication is the future however he did have two weeks to prepare i think next week a back-to-back week of it, we'll see just how good he is. So let's talk a little bit about the rest of the offense real quick. We also saw a return of another guy who had one of his best games that he's had in a while, and that's Todd Brooks. Todd Brooks is back, baby. Uh, two really big runs. Um, he is the one that scored that first touchdown. He had 80 yards on the game. Uh, Todd, what did you think about your boy, your boy Todd Brooks' performance? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think they said that this was the first, maybe he said this, I don't remember who said this, but this is his first week fully healthy back in action, and it showed. I mean, the the two big runs that he broke off were 
were just dang impressive. And, and to average nine yards a carry, that's not too bad either. So Taj Brooks, I, I think, is the future at the running back position going forward. Uh, he's been my guy for a long time. And as much as we love Sir Roderick, and Sir Roderick definitely played his role in this game too, Taj Brooks is just an, what impressive dude. It's RB1 right there. I mean, he's and he's been that good at, all year. When he's healthy, he looks like one of the best backs in the conference. In and in a conference loaded with great backs, right? Including, and usually we don't switch off like this, but including the guy on the other end and, and Brees Hall. But let me tell you something. Brees Hall's stats don't show it. If you just look at the box score and say, oh, well, 51 yards, 18 carries. Eh. I rewatched the game. Brees Hall is a man among boys. That man is good, right? That, that, that I just want to put that out there. That Brees Hall was a beast. We'll talk a little bit more about the Iowa State offense here in a little bit, but he was great. Um, so with that, with Donovan Smith putting up 322 yards in the passing game and three touchdowns, with Taj Brooks putting up 80 yards on the ground, those weren't even – we still have more people to, to shout out. First of all, I already talked about Miles Price and the great catch that he made. He had probably his best game of his career – 175 yards off nine catches. Um, and as we count them, them two touchdowns, both great catches. What do you think about the receiving core? Uh, yeah, I kind of just, I was planning on singing the praises of Miles Price. I mean, we, we've all seen the talent for Miles Price, but just like he hadn't put together a monster game like this yet. And, and, and to see him finally do it with Donovan Smith at quarterback, it, it's very refreshing sight. I mean, yeah. 175 yards for Miles Price and that that one catch where he just got absolutely lit up oh, the fact man. that he held onto that ball and got a foot down dude like <laughs> I couldn't believe that he completed that pass I, I just I couldn't believe it so funny enough about Miles Price for anybody who's who's questioning you know how he was or whatever he actually in the press conference after the game he said the reason he was on the ground had nothing to do with his head so all the trainers came over. They were worried he had a concussion, worried about his head. He said, no, 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 it's not my head. My butt hurts. He said his butt hurt. It hurt his hip a little bit. He needed help getting off. He had to walk it off, and he was good to go. So there's really no question. There's no concussion protocol. There's no problem there. It was he had a, he had a sore butt. You know, that was all it is. Uh, but, no, you're abs- that play right there, I think that play also kind of put life back into the crowd as well. Um, it, it was, And also, he wasn't used as a gimmick. All year he's kind of been used as a gimmick. As that fast, speedy guy, he was kind of put back into his role as just a really good receiver, similar to how he was put last year, and he showed out once again. Well, and another thing that he said uh, is he's been running that route, you know, like that deep post, and, and apparently he says he's been telling everyone he's been winning that route, and he hasn't gotten the ball. And he told Smitty that he was like, "Yo, Smitty, I will be open." And so Donovan, you know. Credit to Donovan Smith. He saw, he's like, okay, he's open and he let it fly. So, you know, credit to both of those guys for communicating and and uh, executing on what was a absolute great completion. And, and Miles Price also said, he added, that was not his uh, mouthpiece that went flying off to the sideline. He said it wasn't his. So, yeah, we're, we're breaking all types of misconceptions on that play. Um, but, yeah, no, Miles Price, absolutely uh, a great, catch there um and like i said he infused life back into the crowd but nobody infused life into the crowd more than the referees now let me say this i don't like speaking on referees i think that being a referee in sports not just in football uh but in sports is one of the hardest jobs you can have it's so like it's so bang bang everything's so quick everything's so fast it's very tough to get everything right right 
Now, mind you, I get it. They, they're, they're professionals supposed to work, they get work at this, and they do. And most of the time, 95% of the time, I truly believe refs do get it right. However, this game, everything just, it, it was so much that was going on in this game. And it didn't just, it just seemed like it all you went against Texas Tech at one point. Um, we were talking pre-pod about that uh, uh, that interception that was both accepted and then re- revoked. And who knows? Maybe it should have been ret- overturned. But we never saw a – and maybe this is ESPN's fault. We never saw a, uh, a angle that did, did not look like a clear catch. We had the announcers out here talking about it, saying that, oh, well, that's a clear – that's it's going to be overturned. Never saw it. All we saw was the back the interception, ball didn't touch the ground, looks like a clear catch as clear catch as can be. Um, then you have uh, the wall, the water bottle fiasco where somebody throws a water bottle, which is not cool at all, but then you clear out two entire sections because of a water bottle that didn't hit anybody. Uh, which once again brings life back into the crowd. Um, it's just so many things was where it seemed it seemed like everything, every close thing that was going on in that game that was involving the refs or referee call went against Texas Tech. And some of them maybe they were justified. A lot of it they didn't seem like they were. What do you think? Yeah, I think we uh, we we were just really unfortunate on the end of like fifty fifty calls, like things that were very hard to call from the time like on the field in real time and uh it seemed like every time it was it we were in that situation we did not benefit from a review from what was called on the field it it, it just we couldn't get something right out of it um i'm with you on that interception call you know live i actually thought when we came back from commercial they showed a replay from behind which isn't the greatest angle but it did kind of look like it poked through his arms but again it's For me, it was called on the field as an interception. And if that's the best angle that you had, maybe they saw something we didn't. But if that's the best angle you had, I don't know how you overturn that call. Um, And then you. Well, I was going to say it's very similar to talk about they were they at least reviewed that one. Talk about the Coons catch in which that's that's a play in the first quarter where Tech looked like they were going again. They were about to score once again. They were already up seven zero, and the Coons catch that turned into an interception. That's one. It's I, and I, I've watched that play quite a few, very uh, in the air, right? Like there was it, it, he caught it, it does slip out, but you could easily call that down, and to not even review it was kind of a weird thing in itself. And then icing on the cake, you know, the next I think it was the next possession. I think maybe it was Charlie Kohler or someone from Iowa State. Kohler, yeah, the exact same thing that happens, like the same exact bang bang play, and then of course Iowa State gets the benefit of the doubt in that situation. So it just it was uh, uh it, it was just craziness all over the it was really honestly it was great to me because it was a true Lubbock craziness game we haven't had true Lubbock crazy in a while um, a lot of this was infused by the refs uh, but it's it's uh you know I mean tech tech kind of overcome it came it it didn't seem like they used that as an excuse it didn't seem like they were distraught by it they just came and went after it after every play that's what we ask all teams to do and I tell you what. I think, you know, the the water bottle, I think we ended up getting a penalty for that, right? 15 yards for the water bottle. That incident, that incident fired up that crowd more than anything. And then moving those that crowd into the end zone was probably a benefit, to be totally honest. <laughs> no, they moved them to right behind the Iowa State bench. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But like tor- also towards the end zone, though. So. Yeah. It, that I, I haven't seen a crowd or heard a crowd like that in Lubbock since probably 2015. Oh wow! And, and, and a game where there was another water bottle incident. Like, oh, not to mention, I forgot about this. 
That defensive pass interference call on third and 18 is a, an atrocious call. That is an atrocious call. That's a, now that's a bad call. That's a, I don't say bad calls very often with refs. That is a bad call. It's a bad call for in so many reasons. One, it's a third and 18. You gave him a bailout call, right? Bailout call should only be called if the defense has something truly, truly worthy of the call. Two, it was in quadruple coverage. So it's it's a double, twice the bailout call that you're giving him. And the ball was overthrown, so you could easily say it's not passing to France because it's it's he wouldn't have been able to reach it. Also, not to mention, if you look at the review, he trips over his own feet. He doesn't even get touched. It's it's oh my goodness. Oh, that was a bad call. That and that is another play. The first three touchdowns that Iowa State scores, actually, I think were all off a benefit of or of something questionable that happened right before. And uh, it was, whoo, buddy. It was, it was rough. One. But, but I do think you got to give these players a lot of credit for yeah. not letting the, the officials get to them. And then you got to give the fans a lot of credit because that energy, even though that, that, you know, the water bottle penalized us and whoever's throwing things on the field, like, I don't know how to tell you this. It's not appropriate in any situation. Don't throw things unless they're tortillas, big asterisks there. Don't throw things. Come on guys. Like be adults about it. But, um, the, the way the crowd responded, I think, you know, that 15-yard penalty, I'll take it if it gets our crowd that fired up every week. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that was great. But like you said, the team definitely overcame it. Uh, Cumby, I thought, was doing a really, really good job as far as play calling, as far as getting the team together. Also, shout out to Cumby and the coaching staff. We were talking about it a little bit pre-pod. The pump jack? I love it. I love it. Pump Jack's here to stay. Oh, my God. First of all, I saw the Pump Jack chain off top. And I was like, oh, what's that? That's kind of crazy. And then I saw the Pump Jack on the sideline. I'm like, wait, is that a turnover Pump Jack? And then I'm like, no, it's a great play Pump Jack. Anything you do that's great, you can do the Pump Jack. It's fantastic. I love it. Why hasn't why hasn't nobody thought of this beforehand? This is great. Yeah. It, it makes you wonder, like, was it something Sonny Cumby wanted to do a long time ago and people said no or, you know, what's, you know, what's the story behind the pump jack? Why did it come out all of a sudden right now? You know? Yeah, no, the, the man, the pump jack was fantastic. It infused life. I think, I think the players got so up for it. They got so up for it, so excited. And it was a great time. So one thing that has gotten us excited as a podcast is because we finally, we've been talking about this for a while. We've even brought it up on the pod a couple times. We finally have an ad partner. We finally have an ad partner. And I'm sure you have, if you're a podcast listener, you've listened to a lot of podcasts. I'm sure you've heard their ads. They're everywhere. Everybody uses them. Everybody likes them. And we are so excited and so happy to have an ad partner that is Manscaped on the pod and for them to be a supporter of the Tortillas and Takes podcast. And so what they did is, look, we got the opportunity to try it out. I tried it out. Dylan tried it out. I'm like, man, I ain't, you know, Manscaped is not really my thing. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. We were talking about a pre-pod. Not bad. Some of the stuff that we were able to got we had we were able to uh, to to grab onto. What I liked it. They have some 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 stuff for for fellas. They have some stuff for us when it comes to you know your nether regions and some of that deodorant and things like that. But also not only that, like the 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 Clippers. I know it's known for like your groin and all that to 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 check on you know doing all these things for for uh, for the bedroom and stuff like that. But like you know any really you can shave anywhere. That you want to, you can even shave your face. I even like, you know, it's so soft, it's so easy to use. Uh, the Manscaped Lawnmower Two Four Point it's a, uh, it's great stuff. I mean, Dylan, what did you think about the some of the the stuff we received from Manscaped? I've never been more confident shaving my boys, uh, first and foremost, and uh, deodorant. Uh, I didn't really realize that was a thing guys needed to do down there, and I'm not saying it's something you need to do, but once you do it, you'll never go back. Yeah, no, uh, and. 
And I think this box, the box that they sent us, I forget the name of the box, but you, you know, do we plug our code? I'll let you plug our code, but it would make a fantastic Christmas gift for your buddies, for any of the men in your lives. No. Yeah. And so the code he's talking about, because they're our ad partner, they decided, Hey, we got to hook, we got to hook the listeners up to cheese and takes up. So for, especially for Christmas presents, that's a good, I mean, that's off top. The package that he's talking about is we were able to get uh, the perfect package 4.0 that has that lawn, that lawnmower 4.0. It's great stuff. I advise you to get it. It's fantastic. And if you go use the uh, promo code tortillas, that is tortillas, plural, T-O-R-T-I-L-L-A-S, uh, you're going to get 20% off of anything that you get. That is tortillas. Make sure you get that. Um, and, you know, they're friends of the pod. So, you know what I'm saying? Because they're friends of the pod, they give it to all our listeners. It's, it's good stuff. Um, so as we go back and we think a little bit back on the Texas Tech-Iowa State game, defense and how this defense played in this game. First of all, I'll say, I talked a little bit about Brees Hall earlier uh, in the pod and how, I mean, just some of the play, those two touchdowns he made, both of them were so incredibly impressive. Yet his stats are trash for a reason. It's because our boys were flying. In film, they saw that guy. They saw how talented he was, and they didn't want him to get a lot of leeway. What do you think about the way the defense was able to hold the run game? Yeah, yeah you know, our defense, uh, especially when it comes to stopping the run, has been a very curious case of Jekyll and Hyde. You know, like, either our run defense shows up or they get gassed. And when uh, Brees Hall is in town, it, it's a good opportunity to get gassed. But to hold Brees Hall to 51 yards on 18 carries, now, he did score three touchdowns. But to hold him to 51 yards, uh, two and 2.8 yards per carry, that's saying something. That's... That's the run defense that, you know, that we've seen a few times this year for Texas Tech. And what what a week for them to come out and do it. Um, and then I think, you know, the first half defense was fantastic to hold them to 14 points in the first half. Absolutely fantastic. Now, second half was a little bit of a different story. But when it came down to it with a minute five left to go, we held them to a field goal. And then, you know, the rest was history. Yeah. <laughs> then we'll get to that answer in a little bit. I will say Brees Hall only scored two touchdowns. I don't give him too much credit. Uh, two touchdowns he, for him. Didn't he catch one? Uh, oh, no, you're right. Three total. No, you're right. My bad. Yeah. My bad. My bad, dog. But one of them wasn't on the ground. So, yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. Um, so I will say they were great across the board except against one guy. And it's the one guy we talked about before in the preview pod. Charlie Kohler killed us every third down. It's crazy to me because every third down, especially in the second half, we know where the ball is going. We know what's going to happen, and we still can't stop it. A lot of it was Keith Patterson's unwillingness to, to double cover, and I get it. You don't want to necessarily do that, um, but it also was unwillingness to press Kohler at the line. He's a big boy, and I don't really care who you're going to have covering him. We saw Eric Monroe was the main guy covering him because their size matches up pretty well, and I get that. Um, but Eric Monroe was getting abused. He's getting absolutely abused. For every decent play that Eric Monroe made against Charlie Kohler, Kohler would have three. Like I felt like Kohler had three different impact plays that went against them. Um, and even when you took Eric Monroe off of Charlie Kohler, finally after even the announcers were begging you to, um, he, he still was dominating because you're going, you're putting him on one on one coverage, and he's going to beat that almost every single time against whoever you put up against him. Charlie Kohler just absolutely killed us, especially when we needed stops most. But I mean, at the end of the day, actually, I would argue that that third down play at the end of the game was because they decided not to go to Charlie Kohler. They lined him up out wide instead of close to the line. It wasn't a veer out. He kind of went further deep, and it was like, oh, thank God. All right, you got to now pass it to somebody else that's not Charlie Kohler, and it didn't work. 
Yeah, I, I really don't know what uh, Matt Campbell was thinking in that situation. Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know. But for I'm glad he he decided to do that because it, it didn't matter who was covering Charlie Kohler. Like, we do not have an answer for someone like Charlie Kohler. I mean, and most people don't. Like, I, I don't want to necessarily say that. Like, yeah, this, that's true. <laughs> that the defense was just so awful. And then, no, Mike Charlie Kohler is going to be playing on Sundays. He's a beast. He's the reason why we talked about him before in the preview pod. Um, but it's just, I mean, it, we we really, especially in the second half, we could not stop him. And so I'm going to talk about the second half a little bit because as much as great as this victory feels, this is another game. We were up 17. Uh, we were up 17 early in the third quarter, and then just like that, it's a tie game. With twenty, with less than a minute to go, and it, it still gives you some cause for concern. Texas still has problems holding on to leads. Still has problems putting their foot at the neck. I watched the Oklahoma State TCU game. That is a team, Oklahoma State, that did not have any problems holding on to a lead. Uh, TCU, I mean, that wasn't even close, right? Even when TCU scored a little bit when it was crunch garbage time, nobody cared. Oklahoma State scored a little bit more for good measure. Um, I think Tech. That's still something that, Joe, that Coach McGuire is going to have to uh, get together. And coming next year and going forward, because that's a problem that Tech has had in the Kingsbury era, era and in the Matt Wells era of holding on to leads. And we've already this is the third game we've had to where we've had a lead that has not been able to have been held on to. The West Virginia game, luckily, we were able to score a game winning field goal, and the Kansas State game, we didn't have that opportunity. Now, of course, Matt Garibay, that boy's that boy's bad. But go ahead, Dylan. I, I was just Garibay, thinking sorry. it. it it really feels like a uh, like a Keith Patterson problem. Um, you, you know, he gets very conservative. We said this for the last two years. He gets very conservative when he has has a lead. Now that being said, the pass rush pass rush was phenomenal in the first half. Jalen Hutchins uh, and the other dude, Tony Bradford, they were both getting after in the first half. Second half, it seemed to go away a little bit, which is a little unfortunate, but. It does seem like Keith Patterson has this issue of just playing way too conservative with the lead. Well, you say it was really just the uh, um, Keith Patterson, but I'd argue, I mean, we only scored 10 points in the second half. I mean, we go 31, we scored 31 in the first half and only 10 in the second. Um, so I'm going Cumby kind of felt like, I don't want to blow this. And that's what it felt like even on the offensive side of, I don't want to blow this. I don't want to do too much. I don't want to take those risky plays that we took in the first half. Um, you ain't got nothing to lose, buddy. Just go out and, <laughs> I mean, go out and go after it, right? And and that, that aggressiveness we saw in the first half, we just didn't see it as much in the second. I saw it a little bit when it came to getting into field goal range that I was like, I'll be back, baby. But I, I just wish I would see it a little bit more. I will say, I think that was Cumbie's game plan all along, though, was, you know, not to play really aggressively, not to live like, you know, die by the big pass, because I think that's that's what Iowa State wants you that's what Iowa State gives you, right? Is the little things. You have to slowly, methodically work your way against this Iowa State defense. They're not going to give you anything over the top. You've got to work your way and, and pick your battles. And it seemed like that's we did that well in the first half, and then we didn't do it as well in the second half. Hmm. Not, not, not as well, but but luckily, one man bailed us out at the end, and that is John Garibay, the best kicker in the country. I'm going to say it. I'm going to go out and say the best kicker in the country. Yeah, you heard that right, Dicker out in Austin. Yep, the best kicker in the country lives in Lubbock, Texas currently. Um, John Garibay, a 62-yard game-winning field goal. It reminded me, if y'all watched Justin Tucker's kick for the Ravens when he beat the Lions, 
I have the same thought process watching the both kicks, right? I remember before Justin kick, Justin Tucker's kick for the Ravens, thinking they, the announcer just came up and he was talking about how Tucker had this incredible uh, field goal streak. I remember in my head saying, "Ah, oh, man, don't don't trot him out here for this this uh, what was it a sixty six yarder? He's gonna miss it. Like that's not cool. Like he's gonna mess up his streak. And then what he do? Game winning." Boinked uh, off the bottom of the uprights through for the Ravens. I had felt the same way about Garibay. Ah, oh, crap, man! Iowa State's gonna—they're gonna—they're gonna, try, they're gonna uh, kick six, kick six, kick six us, right? They're gonna have a guy out there. They're gonna return it back. Garibay's career long was a forty-eight yarder. He ain't got this. Ah, oh, man, you're messing up his streak. You're messing up his good cred. And then what does he do? Not only does he nail the sixty-two yarder, it was never in doubt. He probably could have kicked yeah. that from seventy. Oh, John Garibay. Have a day, sir. Yeah, and I think you got to give credit. I think it was Miles Price who caught that underneath pass and got out of bounds. I, I think it was Miles yeah, Price. Yeah, no, 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 but no. He, dude, he scooted. He to get something out of that and then get out of bounds and make sure you get out of bounds. A lot of credit goes goes there. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, you know, sixty-two yard field goal, school record, by the way, to win against a ranked team, a team you haven't beaten in five years at home. I mean, that's that's the stuff of legends. <laughs> Jonathan Carabay. I mean, it, it doesn't get much better than that 62 yarder. And I was I was just like you before because Iowa State called a timeout. Like we trotted him out. Iowa State called a timeout. When we trotted him out before that timeout, I, I audibly laughed. I was like, <laughs> what are we doing? And, and then I had to eat my words because Jonathan Carabay is a legend. Oh, he's a oh, my God. He's, this is yeah absolutely legendary. From John Garibay, uh, you know, props to him. So, what do we 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 uh? Who are our players of the game? I mean, Jonathan Garibay is the player of the game. First of all, sixty-two yard field goal to win the game. He's he's it. I don't care what everything we said by everybody else. He's it. But if we're talking take away the kicker, talking offense. Who is your offensive player of the game? Man, uh, I mean, there's two really great answers here, and, and I know you'll pick the other one. I know you're going to do do it right and pick the other one, so I'll, I'll leave you the other one. I'm going to take Miles Price. I mean, I, to to take over that game like he did sometimes, to complete that catch, to get out of bounds, it's like whenever we needed a play, Miles Price was there to make it. And, and yeah, I was just, we, we've seen that talent from him, but he really just, he, he took it over in this game, and we, we've got a lot to look forward from this kid in the next few years. Yeah. And since you picked Miles Price, I'll pick the other one. Jed Castles, man. Good for you, dude. I just, <laughs> <laughs> hey, those 17 yards. Ah, you were out there. No, nah, obviously it's Donovan Smith. He was incredible. Donovan Smith was absolutely like better than anything I would have expected from his first career start. Um, he was he was visibly emotional during the game. He He knew how big this game was for him, but he showed out. He showed his whole look. We don't curse much in the show, but he showed his whole ass, right? He he was out here and he he showed what he's capable of. And like you said, I mean, we were talking about in the group chat earlier today. Ooh, we got some some of the quarterbacks in the quarterback room got to be looking over their shoulders, like, ah, this kid's a little bit better than we thought he was, because he just absolutely was incredible. And I'm I'm now more excited to see what he does in the next two games because it's already been announced he is the starter going forward, as he should be. Uh, so switch over to the defensive side of the ball. Who is your defensive player of the game? I think before you answer, I think this is also one where it's one of two choices. One of two choices. Okay. Um, give me to Adrian Taylor. I mean, probably the most consistent player in the secondary 
this year for Texas Tech. It, and I think that's a big surprise to a lot of people because, you know, Eric Monroe, Reggie Pearson, you know, when Muddy Waters was healthy, you know, even DeMarcus Fields. Like, there was a lot of players people might have picked in front of Adrian Taylor. Adrian Taylor, the former high school running back turned safety. Just incredible in this game. Got at least one interception, if not two. But <laughs> yeah, yeah Adrian Taylor, he's a ball hawk. He's everywhere. He's this year's, I tweeted, he is this year's uh, Zach McPherson, right? He's the guy yeah. that we didn't think about much going at the beginning of the season. He wasn't even a starter to start the year. And he's come yeah. through, it's been Muddy Waters' absence, mind you, come through and been that dude. Been absolutely that dude. Um, and so he is a, uh, yeah, DeAndre Taylor Demerson has been absolutely great. The other guy I was going to say is Colin Schooler. And I know we say his name, what I feel like, every single week. But Colin Schooler, not just his interception, made really big plays. He had one play where he was absolutely, where he basically was, Brock Purdy was running for his life, seeing like the fear of God and Colin Schooler coming after him. He was just every single time, Colin Schooler was right there to make an incredible play. He was fantastic. And then, of course, the interception, right? He was he was great. He's the other guy that I have there. Um you know, just it's good plays by or good plays by both of them. I thought Reggie Pearson played really well, right? He's been hurt recently. This is, I think, only the second game back. I thought he played really well in this game. Um, Demarcus Fields was okay. Eric Fields and Monroe were kind of the two. Demarcus Fields' problem was that he was kind of getting beat up by Xavier Hutchinson quite a bit in this game. <laughs> Xavier Hutchinson. We talked a lot about Charlie Kohler, but Xavier Hutchinson also kind of little boy Demarcus Fields quite a bit in this game, uh, unfortunately. And Charlie Kohler did the same thing to Eric Monroe, but those are two guys. Like it's it's one of those things. It is what it is. Those those are two guys that are just beasts of what they do. Their their offense is just a a matchup nightmare. Like it doesn't matter how you slice it. You you're gonna sell out to take away Charlie Kohler. Well, then you've got Xavier Hutchinson one on one on the outside. You you want to get rid of him? Okay, now you got Brees Hall coming out of the backfield. So there's just no good recipe for stopping this yeah. offense. But. Our, our de- credit to our defense. They got it done when they needed it to. So. Yeah. And shout out to Jalen Hutchins, who played an also, you talked about him earlier, an incredible game as well. Um, if there was a third place award for defensive player of the game, it would have been Jalen Hutchins as well. So uh, great play by the defense. I mean, I, I, and I, was, I know we're saying great. They still gave up 38 points, but they, I, you know, considering if you watch the game, they made plays when it, when it, when it mattered. And that's really what, that's really what matters. There you go. I mean, they they failed to get a third down stop in the second half until it mattered and it mattered one minute left to go in the game. A lot like the West Virginia game. A lot like the West Virginia game. So good on them. Um, so before we get out of here, I'd be remiss if we did not talk about the fact that Texas lost to Kansas again. Texas lost to Kansas again. So I don't know if you heard me, Dylan. Texas lost to Kansas again. Are we talking about basketball? No, 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 no. In football, oh. Texas lost to Kansas again. Texas has lost four Big 12 games since 2010. Two of them, or have won four, sorry. Kansas won four Big 12 games since 2010. Two of them have come against the University of Texas. It is a glorious weekend to not be a Longhorn. And in Austin, too. Like, let's, let's, not, let's not overshadow that detail. In Austin, Kansas. But- their first, Finds a way to defeat UT. Their first ever win in Austin. It's their first road conference win since 2008. <laughs> like, oh my. Wait, That's a long time ago. First five-game losing streak for the Longhorns since the 50s, since what, 1956? Right? Um, this is, dude, Longhorns, Longhorns are not favored against West Virginia next week, nor should they be. 
against a not too good uh, a West Virginia team that's not very good. Like, oh my god, things are spiraling in Austin. It's great. It's absolutely you know, fantastic. Peace to me almost feels bad because my grandparents are, you know, University of Texas alums. And because my sister and I went to Texas Tech, they now root for Texas Tech. She called me after that 62-yard field goal. She's like, oh, what a great game. I'm so happy for you guys. And then her team loses. And I'm just like, <laughs> sucks to be you, Grandma. <laughs> oh, suck it, Grammy. <laughs> uh, but no, good. Uh, I'll say this. Good for Kansas. Like, Coach yeah. Leopold has Kansas on the right track. Now, will they become on the you know Mangino track? I don't know about that. Mangino had them in hindsight. I never thought Kansas football would ever get to. But they actually, but at the very least, they're competitive. They gave Oklahoma a show. They gave Texas a show well enough to to beat them. Um, and luckily, they sucked against us. So it's a great it's a great trifecta, right? I like that from Kansas. That's my favorite kind of Kansas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but not only that, not only that, Dylan. But there was we, we already talked Oklahoma lost to Baylor, the only undefeated team left in the Big 12, a big L to Baylor in a game that they did not look like the better team whatsoever. It does give you pause of Baylor. Baylor's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. S-E-C. 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 Yeah. Um, I mean, to see... You know, it kind of stinks because now we can guarantee that a Big 12 team is not going to the playoffs, but it's totally worth We're it. Not so fast. It's totally not, worth it. Not so fast, my friend. Uh, I guess Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State's still in the mix. Yeah, Oklahoma State. I think if Oklahoma State wins out, that's, that includes a win over Oklahoma and Bedlam. Uh, that includes a win over if, – if they beat Oklahoma and Bedlam, that would all, probably include a win against Baylor in the Big 12 championship game. They oh. got to get past Smitty next week, dude. I, I mean, that also includes a win against us. So I guess, you know – I guess, guess not, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why not us? Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. To quote Jonathan Gar- Garibay, si si puede. That's right. That's right. I, I, speaking of which, all right, I, I'd also be remiss if I didn't gloat a little bit. Only one person on the podcast predicted Texas Tech to win this game. Oh, boy. I am that person. I told, I, I, and actually, not only am I the only one on the podcast, I'm one of the few Texas Tech pundits or like podcast people, pundits, Whatever that chose Tech to win this game, and it was more nothing more than this was the perfect result. Like Iowa State came into this match, they I, in the first quarter they were already the announcers were already talking about the matchup that is Iowa State Oklahoma next week. That Oklahoma had lost the game and it gives Iowa State a chance to potentially still go into the Big Twelve Championship game. You mean to tell me the announcers know that, but the players don't? Oh yeah, they were eating it up. It was the perfect recipe for an Iowa State loss, and I'm so happy it happened. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really want to touch that whole that whole thing with like a six foot pole. But you know, I'll give you a little credit. I I think you were like half joking when you made that pre- prediction, but you did recognize that it was a recipe for a trap game. So oh, I'll give absolutely. You that. No, I, I've been hinting at all year long. All year I've been thinking this is the year Tech beats Iowa State. Now, unfortunately, Matt Wells didn't really give me much of a reason to still be that confident in it. But I still stuck with it. A two uh, a buy game off a of buy at the very least. I wouldn't have advised anyone to pick take Iowa State with the points, right? Like, I would have, at the very least, I figured this was going to be a close game. Tech, Iowa State wouldn't blow us out like they have been for the past five years, and we'd be right there with it. And I'm glad I was right on that front. And I was also right that Tech would punch them in the mouth. Now, whether they do that next week against Oklahoma State is a completely different story because all the advantage we had against Iowa State, we no longer have <laughs> against Oklahoma State, including the fact that they know who our quarterback's going to be. So... 
We'll see how. And it's a better defense. Oklahoma State is the best defense in the Big 12 instead of just one of the best defenses like Iowa State was. So, uh, so yeah, it'll be a tough matchup. We will have that preview for you later this week. Uh, Dylan, anything else you want to say to the people? Yeah, I just very briefly, I want to talk about Sonny Cumbie for a little bit because we hardly touched on him, but the decision to bring Donovan Smith to the sideline to call plays, excellent. Um, the pace that he played with, that he called this game in, excellent. His choices to go deep, to take shots when the, when he decided to do it, excellent. Um, I think his audition for OC next year is looking really, really good. So I, I just wanted to say I'm really happy for for Sonny Cumbie. I mean, oh, let's also talk about bringing up, bringing on the pump jack this week. I mean, there's so many things he did this week that were so right. Really happy for Sonny Cumbie, and I hope we see him in Lubbock next year. And Cumbie's still recruiting. He's still recruiting. He's still out there getting players to Texas Tech, right? Like a lot of a lot's being made of Joey McGuire and the work that he's done to get all these offers out there and get. But I've seen just I've seen quite a few tweets from recruits talking about offers and things like that from Cumbie and from some of the staff that's currently in place right now. So um, Cumbie is Tech, Texas Tech through and through. These are the type of guys that the passion that Sonny Cumbie has for Texas Tech University exudes through. And it's not you don't find those guys that easily, right? It, it's it's easy to 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 fake. It's easy to fake a passion for a program. It's easy to say like, yeah, just, man. just ask Chris Beard. Yeah, just ask. Yeah, there you go. Hell, just ask Matt Wells. Right? Yeah, it's it's easy to fake it, but Sonny Cumbie, he don't fake it. He is Texas Tech through and through. Loves this place. Loves the university. Uh, loves the team. And I think that his everything that he has done since being the interim head coach has shown that. Everything he's done as OC all year has shown that. And his audition in front of Joey McGuire was a hell of a first interview. A hell of a first interview. Um, and actually, a way to get the fan base on your side also. Anybody, a certain blog tweeted out that they didn't want him back. I'm pretty sure they're having to eat their words after that performance uh, this past Saturday. So. Uh, yeah. Hey, and I'll say when, when we hired Sonny Cumbie as OC, I thought it was a lazy hire, to be totally honest. Like what he had done at, at TCU hadn't necessarily impressed me, but what he's done in Lubbock has. So, and, Oh, look at that. Sonny Cumbie has flipped at least one person that you know, and that is Dylan Smythe. Incredible work. Incredible work. All right. Uh, I'm glad you touched on Cumbie. Uh, for me, we still got two more games left. Two more games left on the schedule. We have uh, home against Oklahoma State and then at Baylor. Uh, in my opinion, we I mean, these are the two best teams in the conference as of right now. As of right now, Baylor and Oklahoma State are the two best teams in the conference. We still got two really tough games to go. Uh, the crowd wasn't great against, against Iowa State. Now, I get it. I understand why the crowd wasn't great. But we still need to show out and show up against Oklahoma State, regardless of what happens. I'm not saying it's going to be pretty. Oklahoma State just put a beat down on TCU. They may beat the crap out of us. Doesn't mean that we we have the excuse to be bad fans. Um, show up, show out, stop, and let's not let's let's still have fun for the remaining two games. We're going to a bowl, and I hope that bowl is in the DFW because I will be in Texas during Christmas, and I would love to go see the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, so, that being said, for Dylan Smythe, this is Albie Shore. You've been listening to Tortillas and Takes podcast, powered by Guns Up Nation. Remember to get twenty percent off of any Manscaped order using the promo code Tortillas. And as always, stay wrecked, people. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.